Thank you, guys. And so there's a line at the end of that song, at the end of the bridge, that says, for all I know of seasons is that you take your time. You could have saved us in a second, and instead you sent a child. And so tonight I want to speak around the topic of signs and seasons. Signs and seasons. And so I want to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. It'll come up on the screen. And this is the one that is usually read out in uh, uh, Kids Nativity, or it's the, the famous Christmas passage. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 down to 14. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. Verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first son, firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Listen to verse 11 and verse 12. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great, count, great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And it's that verse 11 and verse 12 I want to look at. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so we're at the Christmas season, and probably in the build-up to this point, there's been a lot of signs that indicate it's the Christmas season through different things. Some of the things you watch on TV sort of tell you it's the Christmas season. When the John Lewis TV advert comes on, you know it's Christmas, don't you? Um, and then after the John Lewis advert comes on, you're waiting for the Coca-Cola advert um, with the, the Coca-Cola tree, and you think, this is Christmas. Uh, when, when Axe Factor is on, you know it's coming to the last few rounds. You know the Axe Factor, the finalists, they release a terrible song, and it usually gets to number one. Um, and then Strictly Come Dancing comes to the end, and you think, okay, it's now getting closer to Christmas. These are signs that indicate it's nearly Christmas. And this is the thing about signs. Signs indicate seasons. Seasons produce substance. Signs indicate seasons, and seasons produce substance. And what other signs are there to tell us it's Christmas? You have the TV adverts. Then you also have, there's only a certain amount of foods that come out at Christmas. You can no longer just buy, you know, 12 Jaffa cakes. You have to get like a meter of Jaffa cakes. And it's not a bad thing. Like, we should have that all year round, I think. I went into the spa the other day and saw the biggest bar of galaxy I have ever seen. It, like, confectionery just starts to grow at Christmas. Like, it's huge. Toblerones are growing every year. This is good news. Um, 
Another thing we used to do in my house, I don't know, I think I've asked a few families to use to do this. Uh, the Radio Times has never been bought more times than a Christmas. No one buys the Radio Times except the Christmas, and you have to buy it with a highlighter because you just highlight all the stuff that come on every year. Like how many times are you going to watch Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone at Christmas? But we still are like, I'll book that in. I'm taking the night off, I'm watching Harry Potter. There's just certain things about Christmas, certain signs that indicate the season that we're in. Um, and another funny one I just thought about is, everyone says, uh, coming up to Christmas, hey, where's the year gone? Like, what? where's the year gone? Every year we do it. And it's like, we just, we lived it. Like, every time we still say, where's that year gone? But the main point is this, that signs indicate seasons, but seasons produce substance. And what this passage we have just read here is the changing of a season. We read in verse 12 that the, that the angels come to the shepherds and say, this is the sign, this is a sign that is indicating a change of season, that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And what's happened up to this point is there has been about 400 years of silence. That up between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament beginning, there's about a 400 year gap or so of, of silence that God hasn't massively spoke through prophets or, or, or through people speaking. God, there's a bit of silence. And then here we see a sign that indicates a changing of the season. And this is a season of hope, a new hope, a season of hope um, across the world. And so tonight I want to spend a couple of minutes looking at, at some observations that, I, that we know about seasons. Some observations that we know about seasons in our own lives and seasons in the physical world, but actually help teach us something about the spiritual world. And so we're going to look at the life and the seasons of Jesus throughout the book and the gospel of Luke. And so the next few minutes we're going to look at Jesus' life throughout the gospel of Luke and some of the seasons that his life went through and some observations that we can learn about that. And the first observation I want to make is this. Seasons take time. Seasons take time. Luke chapter 12, I've read it a couple of times, but I just want to say, when I read this, it almost jumped out to me, and especially in link to the song Stuart and Kelsey sang. This will be a sign to you that a Messiah, the Lord, is here. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths. This is God's chance to redeem humanity. Humanity has tried and failed many, many times to redeem itself through sacrifices, through trying to worship God. And there's 400 years of silence and then God says, okay, I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in and I'm going to redeem humanity. And what does he do? He sends a baby. Now, for me, if I, I would want, if I was one of the, the, the shepherds and an angel appeared to me and says, the Messiah, the Lord is here, go and find him. I would expect a bit like, you know, Terminator 2 sort of thing. You know, there's a big electric sort of uh, surge of energy and then like Arnold Schwarzenegger stands up, preferably clothed because in the film he's not. Um, but like a bit, like a strong man with, with, with strength and with wisdom and with experience. And you'd think, great, like the, the, the savior is here. He's going to get to work. He's going to start doing the work uh, and he's going to start changing this season. This season of hope has literally arrived but we don't see that. We see a baby. And the thing about babies is this, like they all look the same at the start. Um, and then like they take time before they like start walking and take a wee bit longer before they start talking. Um, but it takes time for a human being to grow. That's an obvious statement. But if you're waiting for the Messiah to come, 
It takes time. It took time. And so this, in the midst of this Christmas story, we celebrate the Christmas story. We love this story. We, we're going to have the celebrating nativity and our car service and it's great. But this is the one thing that God opened my eyes to, that in this message of Jesus coming to earth as a baby, it teaches us one massive important thing about the heart and the characteristic of God. And it's this, God likes to take his time. God likes to take his time. Here's the one moment in history where God is going to send his redemptive plan. And what does he do? By a baby. And most of us know that it isn't until Jesus is about 30 years old that he starts to actually his work in ministry and, and in lives and people. So here's 30 years of waiting. What does that teach us? God likes to take his time. He won't do things quickly. Much to our despair. John Maxwell has this great quote that says, God prepares leaders in a slow cooker, not a microwave oven. Which is really, really interesting and dynamic to think about it. Because I just love just throwing my dinner in a microwave one minute, like ding it, and then that's me sorted. And then Kelsey will say, no, we're having pulled pork, but it's a slow cooker for eight hours. I'm like, I don't have time for that. But God prepares people and leaders in a slow cooker, not a microwave oven. Things take time. And here we have the salvation story. If God was going to take his time to save humanity, he's going to take his time working through your life. Seasons take time. And what do we do in the, the waiting phase? Can I encourage any of you who are in a waiting phase this? Perspective is crucial in your waiting phase. And I know this word perspective is something we throw around at church all the time, but it is so crucial how we view things. Let me, give, let me give you an example to illustrate this. Many of you who have kids or grandkids or maybe would like to have kids in the future, if you were remember back to when you had children, you can remember finding out that you were expecting a baby. Remember finding out, and it, it takes about nine months, they say, for a baby to cook um, in your stomach. So you have nine months to wait. Nine months. Now, most of us would not, if you were expecting a child, no, not, most of us wouldn't just wait nine months and just sit there. And then when a baby arrives, just be like, right, now what do we do with this? There is nine months. It gives, like, it's helpful that it, science gives us this nine-month time frame to prepare ourselves. So you don't just sit there. What you'll do is you'll go and get some paint. You'll maybe paint the room that's going to be the, the, the baby's room. You're going to buy, go to Ikea. You're going to buy some furniture, buy a cot, buy a Moses basket buy a travel cot, buy a car seat, buy a pram. You've, I've thought of this too far. This is worrying. <laughs> no. You're going to be prepared. Then you're going to realize what foods am I allowed to eat? What foods am I not allowed to eat? What exercises can I do? What exercises can't I do? Is there anything I can take to help pain? You're going to try and research some side effects. You're going to research, okay, when it comes to actually having the baby, is there something I can do in the build-up to that? What, what are my options in, ter in terms of like actually delivering the baby? What are my options? You're going to spend as much, as, you as much time as you can to prepare. Why? So that when the baby arrives, you're ready for it. And so in, in the, the phase of actually having, in that scenario, in that illustration, you will take as much time as you can in the preparation phase so that when you reach the destination, you're ready. But for our lives with God, sometimes we don't like this. We don't like the, the time that take, the, the nine months or so. We want the destination without the preparation. We want the des destination 
without the preparation. Yet it's in the preparation that we can handle the destination. It's in the preparation that we can handle the destination. It's in Jesus' 30 years up to the point where he was 30. It's in those 30 years that he learned as much as he could. It was in this waiting phase that he learned all that he could, that he read the scriptures, that he learned them. It was in that 30 years of dealing with people that allowed him when he got to 30 that his three years of ministry were so successful. It was that season of waiting. But sometimes, as I said, we want the destination without the preparation. And sometimes that can be an issue with us. And I experienced this a number of years ago. A number of years ago, we went to a a group of about 10 of us, I think, went on a a friend's holiday to Bulgaria. And I'd never been on a friend's holiday before, so I was really excited about going to Bulgaria. So much so that my focus on the destination meant that my preparation was awful. Because I got to Bulgaria, I think we were there for like seven or eight days, and I got to, to Bulgaria, opened my bag and realized I have nowhere near off clothes. Like I have like two t-shirts and two pairs of shorts. Some of these are like, that's too many. Like you only need one pair of shorts. Um, but I realized I don't have enough stuff here. And then I also realized uh, that I didn't have the right sunscreen. Um, and so like, we'll just get the, the facts out of the way. I'm very white, I'm very pasty. Call me Casper, milk bottle, whatever you want, that's fine. Um, I have tough skin. But I went to, to, I was so focused on Bulgaria and having this friend's holiday that when I went to buy my sunscreen, I heard of this stuff called P20. Has anyone heard of P20? A couple of people, P20. Uh, now, P20 appealed to me because you just have to apply it once, uh, and then that's you. Uh, you can jump in the water, and, and so I thought, this is great. Like, I don't have time to be like putting sunscreen on all day. So I bought P20, went away on our holiday, put it on once, and then was jumping in and out of the pool, and it was great. I was like putting it on and going swimming, and everyone else was like jumping in and out and drowning themselves and putting sunscreen on. Like, guys, you need to get P20. Like, I'm sorted for this holiday. Uh, so that was the first day. Uh, the second day, I came down to the pool red raw, red raw. Because we pasty skin here needs factor 50, like he needs the kids stuff, whereas we picture the kids on the front of the bottle. I had factor 15, like this is not, this wasn't working. So day two, I was red raw with factor 15. Um, I thought this will be fun. Uh, And then by the last day, like literally came home with orange and yellow blisters across my shoulders. Um, It wasn't a good time. But what am I telling you this for? It's to illustrate that I was so focused on the destination that I missed out on true, proper preparation. And so whatever season of life you're in now, can I encourage you this? Don't limit a season of preparation to simply be a season of waiting. Don't limit a season of preparation to simply be a season of waiting. One thing that we can all agree on and that we are in a season of waiting as a church for, for a senior pastor And so what we could do is we could sit and wait. Do you know what? We're just waiting for the announcement. We're waiting for a senior pastor to come in. And we could just limit these few weeks and months that we have, whatever it is, to just wait. Just going to wait because when the senior pastor comes in, then all's going to be great. Church, can I encourage you, don't just limit this season of preparation to a season of waiting where we're just going to come and go through the motions where actually this could be a season God wants to do something in your life. God wants to do something in you if you would just not limit this, your perspective to we're just waiting about. Maybe you're in here and you're, you're single or not married and you're waiting for that relationship 
Don't limit what God wants to do in your life. Don't limit this as a season of just waiting when this could be a season of God preparing you for something. Maybe you're trying to find your calling in life, the big, the big thing of what am I supposed to do in my life? Don't limit this season of preparation to just a season of waiting where I'm just waiting until God does something. What if God's actually wanting to prepare you? Like Jesus, of 30 years, I'm gonna prepare you so that when you get to the end of your season, I'm gonna produce something in your life. And so Jesus has this 30 years of a season. It takes time. But signs indicate seasons and seasons produce something. And in Luke chapter two, verses 52, it tells us a bit about sort of Jesus' rest of his ministry. And it says this, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so that's the end of that season. And the next season we see is indicated by a sign. Indicated by a sign. And it's in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. It says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven, a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And this is a new season of Jesus' life. And the other observation, the second observation I want to make about seasons is this. Seasons are harsh. Some seasons are harsh. We're in the season, we're in the season of winter now. And some people don't enjoy the, the winter season. They enjoy the Christmas part, but winter is a tough season. It's, it's very cold. It's very difficult to keep your house warm. Some elderly people struggle this season. Some people have seasonal affective disorder and it's in the month of, or in the season of Christmas when it's, when it's dark. People do struggle with it. It can be financially tough. It can be stressful on, on the family. It can be stressful to try and keep people happy and, and you're trying to run about and, and do the Christmas shopping and, and buy the tree and set it up and, and, and make the dinners. And it's quite a difficult season. Depression, stress, anxiety, all of these things can kick in. And in Jesus' life, we see that there was a season of his life that was quite harsh and quite difficult. He has just been baptized. Then the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness for 40 years. That's, that's wrong. 40 days. Sorry. 40 days. And Satan is in the wilderness with him and tempts him. Tempted Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. Tempted we see his emotions over his life are in turmoil at times. Later on in his life, he is accused. He is betrayed by a friend. He is innocently beaten, forced to carry a cross, tormented, died. This is a harsh time and season of Jesus' life. But Jesus promises us that tough times will come. It's the worst promise that we hear in the Bible. John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus goes through similar seasons that you and I face. He goes through temptation. He goes through struggle. He goes through his emotions being up and down, up and down. But why, did, why, why is this important for us to know? Because the Son of God knows the struggle that you are going through. The Son of God went through some of the same seasons that you're going through. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. 
Jesus has went through the same struggles that you go through. Why? So that he can empathize saying, I've been there. I know the struggle you're going through. Maybe not the same context, but I know exactly how you feel. And the next verse in Hebrews 4, 16 encourages us because it tells us that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. There we will find grace and mercy. There we will find just what we need. Why? Because Jesus knows exactly what you need. He has been there. He's been through every season that you go through and he knows exactly what you're facing and he knows exactly what you need. So if you're in need right now, if you're going through a season in your life that you're in need, go to him. He knows exactly what you are going through. And in our lives, there is harsh seasons. And do you know what? We have, we have usually two things we would love God, or there's two things God usually does in difficult seasons. One is he carries us above the storms and the seasons of our life. And there's times where he carries us through. There's times where he carries them above and carries us above and over things. And there's, season, there's times where he carries us through them. And again, we can see this illustrated in Jesus' own life. Later on in Luke chapter 22, verses 42, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He is praying to God and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He is saying, God, this season that I'm in is too harsh. This season that I'm facing is too difficult. Let it, take me away from this. If you can, carry me above it. Take me out of this season that I am in. And look at the next verse. Luke chapter 22 Verses 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Here's Jesus saying, this, this season my life is too harsh. Would you lift me out of it and carry me above it? And the next moment, God says, I'm going to send someone to strengthen you. Why? Because I'm going to carry you through this. I'm not taking you above it. I'm not taking you out of it. But I'm going to go through every step of the way with you. And so maybe you're in here and you are going through a season where you're saying, God, would you just lift me out of this? Would you take me away? Sometimes God answers us, but not in the way that we want. But we see that God appeared through an angel to Jesus, strengthened him, and we see the greatest act of love and sacrifice from that moment onwards. We see that Jesus' life actually gets the most, the most harsh season anyone has ever faced. He, the next moment, he is betrayed by a friend through an act of love. He is taken and accused, innocently convicted, beaten to, to the point where no man should be beaten. He is a, a crown of thorns put in his head. He is forced to carry a cross up a hill. He is nailed to the cross. He is pierced by his side. He is laughed at. He is mocked. And this is the so that he can say, see whatever you go through. I've been there. I know exactly. Seasons, church in our life are harsh. Luke 23, 46, then Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, <coughs> he breathed his last. Jesus, at this moment, has died. However, we then see our final sign. We see our final sign, and that is it in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And this final thing that we know about seasons is this. Seasons take time. Seasons are harsh, 
But the one thing we do know about seasons is that seasons produce something. Seasons produce something. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me. I am thankful for seasons for this reason, that they produce something. I am thankful for seasons for this reason, that they produce something. <coughs> Jesus' season in his life led him to this, the greatest, the greatest fruit that could ever be produced for you and I, which is this, salvation and eternal life. His life led to this being produced, eternal life and salvation for you and I. But what does this mean for us in our lives? What does this mean for me and you? It means that sometimes our seasons can produce things in our life that we can't see, but that we need. Romans chapter five, verse three and four. Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings or we also glory in our harsh seasons. Why? Because, suffer, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Harsh seasons produce something in you. Harsh seasons will produce perseverance. It will produce character and it will produce hope. The weak thing about perseverance, character and hope is you cannot see it, but you need it. You need your character to be developed. You need perseverance to be developed and you need hope. Perseverance, character and hope. Some of your toughest seasons are producing your most productive fruit. Some of your toughest seasons are producing your most productive fruit. James iterates, reiterates this in James chapter one, verse two to four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or whenever you face harsh seasons, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's that word again. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. <coughs> I wanna finish with one story or one analogy. And I shared this at, at Wondrous Youth in the summer and I wanna share it here. And it's oddly about potatoes. Potatoes, and there's gonna be an image that's gonna come up on the screen about a potato plant growing. And you'll see two parts of the potato plant here. You'll see at the top is the potato plant and underneath the surface you will see the tuber or the potato. And it says, once a plant reaches maturity, it ceases to be useful to the potato and dies. Tubers slash potatoes left in the ground experience no further growth, but their skins continue to thicken and harden, which extends the life of the potatoes. Why am I telling you this? Because there's gonna be seasons in your life, church, that all around it, it looks like it's failing. All around may look like it's dying. All around looks like it's difficult. But actually underneath the surface, God is doing something. Actually underneath the surface, God is trying to thicken your character. God is trying to strengthen your attitude. God is trying to shape your perspective. It may look like it's dying on the surface, but underneath God is producing something. And how do I know that? Because we see Jesus lying in a grave, lying in a tomb. The disciples think it's all done. On the outside and on the top, it looks like it's dead. It looks like it's a harsh season. It looks like nothing is happening. 
But God is doing something under the surface. God is doing something. He is strengthening their faith. He is shaping their perspective. He is doing something underneath the surface. And so there's gonna be some seasons in your life that will be difficult. Some of you are going through real tough seasons right now. But I wanna let you know that when Jesus was in the tomb, He was not alone. That God was with Him every step of the way. And God is with you whatever season you're going through. God is with you every step of the way. And He is always, always, always at work. And this is the one thing that I know about seasons. They produce something. That is the purpose of a season, to produce something. Whatever season you're going through, God is doing something, whether you see it or whether you don't. And so we're gonna stand and we're gonna worship. The guys are gonna lead us. But over this Christmas season, I want you to be reminded of the seasons that you go through. Over this Christmas period, I want to remind you of this season, that seasons take time. Things take time in your life, but don't miss that. Don't miss the preparation because you're so focused on the destination. Some seasons are harsh, but in the midst of the harsh seasons, this, they produce something. God has wanted to produce something in your life. It may, some things may look like it's dying on the surface, but underneath, God is doing something. So we're gonna worship. We're gonna declare some truths over our lives. We're gonna be excited and we're gonna be thankful that over 2,000 years ago, He sent a baby to teach us something about seasons, to teach us something about God's will and God's heart. But we're gonna be excited to be reminded about the seasons of our life that we go through. Season, signs indicate seasons. Seasons produce something and God is wanting to produce something in your life.